This morning, I have the privilege of continuing a, uh, a conversation that we started a few weeks ago. We are so excited to be spending these summer months um, working our way through the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament. And like we've said from the beginning, our dream, our desire is that by the end of this series, you will love the Ten Commandments and understand these Ten Commandments to be a gesture of love from a father who longs for our joy and longs for our freedom. In fact, that was the context in which they were given. God has rescued his people from 400 years of slavery. And in order to keep them on the path of joy and freedom, he gives them these 10 signposts, these 10 guardrails, if you will, to keep them moving towards joy, towards freedom. Because I might have set you free from captivity, but if you do not live according to my design, you are going to find yourself enslaved again. And the same is true for us. If you have any interest or desire to live in joy or to live in freedom, you are going to want to live within the confines of God's guardrails. And so we've challenged you all. Like men, over the course of this summer, might you consider learning by memory these Ten Commandments? Not necessarily in full form, but just in short version. So you have some sense of what each of these commandments um, are about. We've encouraged you to take notes um, as much as possible so you can go back and look over um, what it is that we are learning Together And ultimately our desire is to see each of us fall in love with these um, commandments. So uh, a couple of weeks ago we looked at commandment number one. And we'll put some of these up on the screen so you can see them um, in short form. Um, this is a real short form of commandment number one. No other God. No other God. I, the Lord says, I'm your father. I am your God. You will have no other God. Gods, no other gods before me. And then last week we looked at um, commandment number two. You will have no created gods. You will not make and worship any created thing. And uh, this week we're going to turn to um, the third commandment. If you have a copy of the Bible, you can feel free to meet me there. Exodus chapter 20. Um, if you don't have a copy of the Bible, you will see the verse um, appear up here on the screen and you can follow along that way. Um, Exodus chapter 20, and we are going to look at verse number 7. Um, commandment number 3. Here's what it says You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. I'm going to read that one more time. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Rule number three. You shall not misuse the name of of God. If you want to stay on the path towards freedom and stay on the path of joy, do not misuse the name of God. Now, I grew up in the church and uh, I grew up around the church and this was one of the first things I learned about God and about the Bible. Do not carelessly use God's name. In any 
of its forms. Whether it's God the Father, Yahweh, Jehovah, do not misuse his name. Whether it's God the Son, Jesus, Christ, Savior, Messiah, Lord, do not misuse his name. Whether it's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, do not misuse his name. Do not use any of God's names in a crass or careless fashion. And as a kid, this was probably one of the easiest of all of the commandments in the Bible to understand. And as such, it was one of the easiest commandments for me to apply from a very, very early age. If I wasn't using the name of God in a respectful or genuine way, you keep his name out of your mouth. Because it says... God will never, ever, ever ignore the misuse of his name. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. You want a guaranteed way to provoke God or pick a fight with him, misuse his name. It is like walking up to him and pushing him in his proverbial chest, which he does not have because his spirit But is literally walking up to him and pushing him and saying, what are you going to do about it? It is picking a fight that he always accepts and by the way, always wins. Do not misuse the name of God. You are messing with fire. This was one of the few commandments, by the way, which even if my parents weren't around, I didn't mess with. It's one of the ones that for some reason or another... I actually figured out a way to obey as a kid. Do not carelessly or crassly use the name of God. I got that. Um, And here are a variety of things that I understood early. Do not ever use the name of God as an expression. Oh my, nope. As a kid, OMG was out. Especially when there are so many other options to choose from if you want to express yourself, such as, wow. Or take, for example, shnikes, right? Like with all of those things, for me to pick the one that sparks a fight with God, I'm like, yeah, maybe not. Jesus, nope, that was, that's the son of God. Just leave that one alone completely. It's not an expression. Oh, holy, whatever comes after that. If it's some kind of cavalier expression, nope. No holy cows. Certainly no holy poop. And frankly, as a kid, I understood those things aren't holy. I have never seen sanctified cattle grazing on the side of the road anywhere. No, don't use the name of God as some kind of an expression. Certainly do not use the name of God out of exasperation. Do not ever use the name of God as some kind of a cuss word because I'm feeling frustrated or I'm feeling exasperated. You stub your toe and all of a sudden the name of God has got some color added to it and I'm just expressing exasperation that way. 
Nope, you are picking a fight with God. And I got that as a kid. I even understood as a kid, don't use the name of God as some kind of an exclamation. Oh, man. Ah, this is when my word doesn't feel like it carries enough weight. So I invite God as some kind of a character witness, some kind of a reinforcement, some kind of an exclamation, some kind of a punctuation to add weight to what I'm saying. It's not just me. God even, right? And this is where we start to say stuff like, I swear on God. Ooh, that was out in my house growing up. You don't swear on God or to God. You don't promise on God or to God. Like, no, no, you don't have to believe me. Or you don't have to take my word for it, but for God's sake. Nope. Do not use the name of God to add weight to what you're saying. If your character is not enough to be believed, don't try and borrow God's. Or may God curse you, right? Now, I am using this as, as some kind of an exclamation, right? Because I really want something bad to happen to you, but I can't carry it out. So may God be the one who curses you. Or this is where the phrase comes from, may God damn you. Like, oh no. Nope. I'm just saying, as a kid, I understood what the third commandment demanded. And we'll put it up on the screen again. Do not carelessly use God's name in any of its forms. Not as an expression, not out of exasperation, not as some kind of exclamation. Because every single time you do it, you provoke God to a fight that he always accepts. As a kid, I got that. I got that. So, we, we figured out some very creative workarounds to get past that firewall and God wouldn't even notice. Don't tell me you don't learn practical stuff in church. Because here we go. So we knew, like, we are not monsters. I would never say something so, you know, ridiculous as OMG. So OMG was out. And instead, oh my gosh. I said, gosh, check out this list. We figured it out, man. We cracked the code. I said, geez. I stopped at the zzz. Or I might even get some provolone and cheddar and come talking about, no, I said, Jesus, it's his cheeses. It's not even that, right? We figured out ways to work. No, I didn't say Jesus. I said, Jiminy Christmas. I said, Jiminy Cricket. No, I didn't. I said, I said, gosh, darn. I said, I said, I said, dagnabbit. I said, dagnab is what I said. And we figured out a way around it. We can never figure out a good one for Lord. So we just didn't say it at all. We just left that one out. Someone picked me up after the service actually and said, no, they would say like law. I'm like, I never heard that one. That's weird. That's not going on my list. Um, now, all right. All that to say, you'll be glad to know, 
I've obviously grown since, and um, I've evolved as a person. Um, I've studied uh, even a passage like this a little bit more. I even snagged a seminary degree. Uh, I am just a more advanced version of my six-year-old self is all I'm trying to tell you. And so coming back to this passage and re-examining it, you know, and, and trying to kind of weigh it against my traditional perspective of looking at it, I just thought I'd come back and report to you all... Um, yeah, that's pretty much what we thought it meant as kids. It is exactly what we thought it meant as kids. And we'll put it up on the screen again. Do not carelessly use the name of God in any of its forms. Not exasperation, not as some kind of exclamation or expression. If you are not using the name of God reverently, respectfully, or genuinely, just keep it out of your mouth and out of your texts. Now, we don't know what he will do about it, but what we do know is how he will feel about it and the fact that he certainly will do something about it. Listen, the fact that he doesn't zap every time you text his name in some kind of a crass or cavalier way does not mean he's ignoring it because his word says he never does. And so the reality is there is probably something in my life that is caught up when it comes to freedom or joy because of the way I use the name of God. I just might not be fully aware of what that is. So the question is, why? Why does God give this command because come on doesn't it seem a little extreme and isn't it tempting to kind of feel like God is being a tad petty on this one like of all of the things you could have added to the list of your commands you add this like someone makes fun of your name on this spherical playground called earth and you can't just be the bigger person and ignore it and God is like nope never No innocence in misusing my name. And the question is, why? Here's a funky thing about it. When the Israelites heard this command, it would have made all the sense in the world to them. Um, because what's in a name? Uh, in our cultural context, we pick names for a variety of different reasons. We may pick a name because of its connection. It may be a connection to a family member or a connection to some kind of a, you know, a predecessor or an ancestor. Maybe even a connection to I mean, a celebrity that we saw in one movie one time that we liked. And so we'll name somebody on that basis. My name, Kondo Abel Simfukwe. My dad named me after his dad, Kondo Andrew Simfukwe. So uh, if you want to, to get to know uh, a, a little bit about like me and, and my name, you find that its connection is to my patriarchal um, grandfather on my paternal side. That's what my name is. It's connection to history. Um, uh, my wife, Melissa Lynn Rance, now... Simfukwe, um, her parents, and Melissa means honeybee, and uh, 
I don't think her parents were beekeepers or cared about bees. They just liked how the name sounded. They picked it for purely aesthetic reasons. They liked the way it sounded. Um, Now, Melissa may be the only one for me, but she is not the only one named Melissa from her decade. Matter of fact, that was the third most common name in the decade in which she was born because a lot of people like the sound of the name. Now, she lost out to Jennifer Neer, who topped number one, and Amy Smith, who was number two in that particular decade. Those were the most popular names. But if you ask why they were named that, they were named because they liked the sound of the name. Come on, you run into a kid and the kid's name is Jordan. You're like, okay, yeah, I, I, I can see. It's probably not after the river, right? Um, that you were named this. Names are very fascinating in our cultural context. We choose them based on preference or popularity or some connection to some significant person. In the context of Israel, mm, a name described and defined the person who held it. It defined and described who they were and what they were destined for. Your personality was in your name. Your purpose was in your name. Tell me her name and I'll tell you something of her story. I'll tell you something of who she is as a person. Her name is Eve. Because she was taken from Adam's side to be his perfect partner in crime. So name her as such. His name is Jacob because he is a scrapper. And he would scrap with God and he would scrap his way to taking his brother's birthright. His name is Jacob, this scrapper of a kid. And when God gets a hold of him and wrestles with him, God says, yeah, let's not call you scrapper anymore. I'm going to change your name to Israel because your destiny has changed. Wrapped up in the name is his purpose and his destiny. Peter. You are a rock. And in fact, on the rock of the statement that you've made, I will build my church. Simon, no more. I'm changing your name because wrapped up in your name is who you are and where I am taking you. You will name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. What's in a name? The Israelites would have understood immediately why God would say this. It's because God's name is God's person. God's name is God's person. Wrapped up in the name of God is his character and his will. Wrapped up in the name of God is his personality and his purposes. Which is what makes it so interesting when God first meets Moses. You should read this Exodus chapter 3 burning bush situation. God meets Moses and one of Moses' first questions to God is what is your name? And God tells Moses, does anyone remember? My name is what? 
I am. <laughs> wow. My name is I am. All that I am is my name. And my name is all that I am. And if I told you that my name was Charles, you would start Googling the history of Charles and studying the etymology of Charles and what popular you know, generation Charles came from and what historical ancestor it may be tied from. But I am from ancient of days. I'm the eternal one. I have no beginning. I have no limits. I have no boundaries. I reserve the right to fill in the blank. At any point, I am who I am who I am. God's name is all that God is and all that God is is his name. Meaning the two can never be separated. I am. It's so interesting by the way. It doesn't say I do or I behave. I am. You cannot separate the name of God from the person of God. The name of God, listen, has every right to stand in the place of the person of God. The two are synonymous. And you know this is true. There is coming a day when Jesus will part the clouds. And we sang about this. And he will return in all of his glory. And he will judge. And every eye will see him. And Philippians chapter 2 says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Every knee will bow at the what? The name of Jesus. Wait, why the name of Jesus and not the person of Jesus? Same difference. His name is his person and his person is his name. Come on. Where two or three are gathered in his, there shall he be. Why? Because his name is his person and his person is his name. You would never actually in your right mind dare to burst into the presence of the most holy God by yourself. Oh no, there is a reason we pray in the name of Jesus. It's our way of saying I don't come on my own merit. I come on the merit of Jesus and his person and his purpose in saving and cleansing me and giving me access into the holy of holies. I come in the name of Jesus, because his name is his person, and his person is his name. If that is true, then you might see why it matters how you use the name of God. Because whatever you do with his name, you do with his person. Here's a very practical thought. Just assume that every time you use any of God's names in any form, that his presence shows up in the place where you use it. And so the question is, would you be okay with that? But the much more significant question is, do you suspect he would be okay with that? 
Would this thing that I'm saying or writing about God represent his person in a way that would make him smile and say, I'm so glad you brought me here. I'm so glad you brought me into this. Because this is in keeping with my person. This is in keeping with my character. And listen, if you don't think so, or if you're even not sure, leave his name out of it. Otherwise, you will most likely misuse his name. If you don't think that texting exchange, you know, is in keeping with the, the, the character and the person of God, then just keep his name out of it. If you don't think that expression is worthy of the name of God, the person of God, then leave it alone. It's kind of like gossip. If every time you talked about somebody, they showed up, would they be happy with what you're saying about them? And if not, shh, stop it. That's what God is saying. My name is my person. My person is my name. If you don't think this is representative of me, and if you wouldn't like me showing up into your little expression in a texting exchange, leave me out of it. Otherwise, you misuse my name. Now, we have to ask, what could possibly be the heart of God? Because here's the thing. Um, we have to make sure that we say the opposite of this is also true. This is huge because if we are not careful, I think what might happen is we might miss this glorious garden of what God is doing for the one forbidden tree. And all we'll ever teach our kids is don't mess with the name of God. Mm. Let me say, without any ambiguity, God loves it when we use his name. Speak his name as much and as often as possible. Listen to me. If we're not careful, we will read this and think, so never use the name of God. Oh, no, no. He wants us to use his name on a regular basis. Speak his name into as many places and as many spaces as possible. If you can imagine for a moment, every time you speak his name, his presence shows up. There are so many places in our world that desperately need the presence of God, the presence of Jesus to show. Speak his name at your workplace. Speak his name in that texting conversation. Speak his name in your kids' room. Speak his name in your home. If your name is your person and your person is your name, we want your person in this place. We want your person in this conversation. So we are going to speak your name. God does not say don't use my name. He says don't misuse my name. But oh, use the name. Speak the name. The other night a friend texted me to tell me about another friend who had a very aggressive kind of cancer. I remember texting back, oh my 
Lord, please help. And that's exactly what I meant. So you would want God to step in. I'm begging God to step into this space right here. Use his name because God is our ever-present help in time of need. Man, may the people in our world hear an escalating use of the name of God from his people. Out of a longing and a desire to see his person and his purposes in our world. Otherwise, we're going to live with this. Ooh, don't say, oop, don't say. And it's almost like, no, God would invite us to use his name. But can we also note, if God's name is his person and his presence, then God's name is also his power. God's name is his power. If his name and his person are inseparable, then his name and his power are inseparable. And you get that. We actually understand this intuitively. We may not think about it in a, a daily interaction with the Ten Commandments, but we understand this intuitively. Uh, the other day, two of my daughters were arguing about uh, an item of clothing and which one of them had the right to wear it. So uh, they brought this to me and I asked a few questions and very quickly deciphered, yeah, clearly this should be worn by this person. So I called my daughter and I said to her, please go and tell your sister that uh, I said you can have this you know, item of clothing and then feel free to wear it. To which she retorted, um, yeah, but she's not going to listen to me. She's, she's not going to do it. She's not going to feel like doing that. To which I re-retorted. I didn't ask you to ask her how she feels about it. I asked you to tell her that I said she should give it to you. It's been maybe about five days. I haven't heard anything about it since. Do you know why? Because my daughters understand um, Dad's name is dad's power. I didn't even have to go up the stairs with her. I just sent my name along. And so when she got up there, she said, dad said. And with my name went my authority. And she understood that. And just like was true with kings in, in the Bible and even today that they would have this seal, this, this ring with a seal or their personal sign on it. And whatever had that seal on it carried the weight of the king's authority. The king didn't have to travel. He just needed to send his seal. And whatever his seal went, so did his authority. So did his power. I think we understand this very, very Intuitively, this makes sense to us. But I think we also understand it biblically. Because um, no disciple in their right minds would have 
confronted a demonic being by themselves. Those suckers were way too strong for that. So the disciples knew that in order to confront one of these demonic beings, they would need to say in the what? In the name of Jesus. And once the name was spoken, the power associated with the name. So the demons, I don't know who y'all are. I don't care who y'all are. But the power in that name is, we're out of here, bye. Right, sin has destroyed this man's body. And Peter walks up to him, Acts chapter 3. And he says to him, silver and gold, we don't none of that. We don't have any of that. But what we do have, we give you in the name of Jesus. Nature's laws be reversed. Get on up and walk. And nature said, yes, sir. Because his name is his power. And his power is his name. And that was understood. And I think we get this even from a biblical perspective. Jesus doesn't have to climb down the stairs from heaven to earth. No. He just sends the king's seal. Carried by the king's people. In his name and the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, the world-making, sin-crushing power is introduced into the world by his name. So, if you believe the name of God is world-making and death-breaking, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit showing up in this world, you can understand why God would say, don't mess with that. Don't mess with that kind of power. Just because you're exasperated. Don't mess with that kind of power just because you're too lazy to think of the actual word you need to use. Don't do it. You can understand why it will never be okay for us to say, we came to church for this. It's just an expression. It's just an expression, man. Why does the church make big deals out of little things? This is why the church is losing gravity and steam. It's because of stuff like this. It's just an expression. By the way, we live in an era right now where it's not very difficult to disprove that theory. Um, my family and I were traveling not too long ago, and uh, a flight got canceled, delayed. So we're in the airport, and we're waiting with a whole group of people for a very, very long time. And so after a while, boredom set in. And so in order to amuse myself, I yelled at the top of my... Please don't react, don't judge. But I yelled at the top of my voice, bomb! My wife looks at me and is like, absolutely 1,000% no to that. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe you have a point. So then I'm like, God, that that is not any funnier. And my kids think, no, this is actually pretty hilarious. Just like you can't say bomb, you can't say gun, you can't use stuff like that in a public place. Look at how people are starting to react. 
And so, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so we got together and we're like, all right, let's think about some, um, some creative ways to address this. And so we started yelling, born, but with an N. It's like, that is not any more amusing. How about gum with an M? That is not any more amusing. And I tell you that fictitious story purely for the purposes of education. To see if you would find it amusing or if any part of you would say it's just an expression. But any of you who do any amount of traveling will say that is not just an expression. Words mean certain things. You cannot just say that because come on, why is everybody overreacting? And I'm telling you, if you would have a problem with me screaming Bob in a public place, you better not write OMG just as an expression. But that's the culture. Like, we're, you better, you're tampering with that word. That word is going to offend these people. So we can't use that word. So we've taken it out of our vocabulary. Oh, no, no, no. But if you say that, that's going to make people very uncomfortable. So you can't use that word. But if you say that, people are going to get scared. So you can't use that word. We've actually become really good at being really careful with what words we're using. Don't you tell me the names of God all of a sudden are just an expression. You are talking about the creative, explosive, intergalactic power of the Most High and his character and his person. But you're saying, no, that you can just say if you feel like it. If you wouldn't trifle with some of the words that are overly triggering in our culture, then come on, you understand exactly what God is saying. I'm the God of the universe. My name is my person. My name is my power. Don't trifle with it. But come on, somebody. There is brokenness in our world that can only be reversed by the power of the name. There is sin and death that can only be destroyed by the explosive power of the spirit that's resident in the name of Jesus. The church should be speaking his name. Because we want to see sin undone. We want to see brokenness healed. This is not an invitation not to use the name of God. This is an invitation to actually use the name of God. To invite the person and the power and the presence of God. OMG, break those chains. I texted something like that to a friend yesterday. And I even said to them, because they're not a believer, said, like, I hope you don't mind me saying that. He said, I don't mind if you say it, but I'm not going to say it. And my response to that was like, mm, I'm okay with that. Because the power of God doesn't need your permission, right? But to me, it's like, no, let's say it. Understanding the beauty and the gravity that is behind it. The reason God will not hold us guiltless for misusing his name is it's his person. It's his power. And when I'm cavalier with his name, when I lose a sense of awe of his name... I lose a sense of awe of his person. I assure you, 
And I think this is what God was doing as he's establishing his relationship with his people. If they lose a sense of awe about my name, they will lose a sense of awe about my person. If you have a problem with this as a big deal, then you're struggling with holding God in his proper place. Don't do it. Not as an expression. Not out of exasperation. Not as some kind of exclamation. And let me just add a couple more. Don't do it as some kind of an endorsement. Don't use God's name as some kind of a stop it. With your breakups and your politics, stop it. When we want to justify our choice of candidate, we just add some God thing to it. Stands for biblical values and the name of God. Stop it. Every single person is saying the same thing. And God is like, are you sure? This person is representative of my character and my purposes in every area of their life. No, just in the ones we really agree with. And so we're going to, don't do it. You will be misusing the name of God in order to endorse your character, your position, your individual, whatever that is. Don't do it. Stop it. With You didn't talk to God about the relationship. And now that you want to break up, you're talking about, I just uh, feel like the Lord is, stop it. Do you know how many little Christian boys break up like that? Or weak leadership in the church. I can't come up with the heart and the biblical reasons why. So I'm just going to say, I just sense the Lord leading. Stop it. Don't misuse the name of God as some kind of an endorsement for what you want. And certainly don't use the name of God for some kind of an enforcement. And by the way, speaking of endorsement, don't go talking about like... Jesus loves everybody. That's why we affirm every lifestyle. Mm-mm, don't do that. Well, God made me this way. That's why it's okay for me to behave in a way that's contrary to his character. Mm-mm. Don't do it. Don't use his name as some kind of an enforcement. This is what we do as parents. But the Bible says children should obey their parents. That may be true. But does the thing you're asking your kids to do represent the character of God? Does it represent who God is? Does it represent his character? If not, then stop with the, I'm going to appeal to a certain passage of scripture. And I'm going to appeal to the name of the Lord to use the name of the Lord to a certain, that is misusing the name of God. This is such a beautiful commandment, by the way. And I am convinced that as ridiculous as it may seem to someone, if we stop misusing the name of God and we stay within the confines in which he's inviting, we will experience his presence and his power in more ways than we ever have. Because here's what starts to happen. Every time I see the name of God, I think about his presence and I think about his power. All of a sudden, I become much more aware of it. 
Every time I'm tempted to use the name of God as an expression, and sometimes it even slips like, oh God, sorry God, I didn't mean to, oh that was a butt dial, but while I have you on the line, you will become more aware of his person, more aware of his presence. When the Jews would copy down scripture and they would get to the name of God, they would stop, stand up, go take a shower, change their clothes, and then come back and keep writing it. What do you think happened to their view of God when they thought that much about it? Something powerful starts to happen. This is beautiful. And I think, honestly, the Ten Commandments are awesome. And you're going to notice very quickly, the first three commandments are God talking about himself. Introducing himself to his people. Commandment number one. You have no other God before me. I am your father who delivered you from slavery. Rule number two. You will worship no created image. That is my son. He is the image of the invisible God. I can't help but see the Trinity in this. I'm just telling you. Rule number three. Don't trifle with my name. That's how my presence and power shows up in the world. He is introducing himself to his people so that when they continue down this path of freedom, they're acquainted with the God who goes before them. What a name it is. Father, I thank you so much. For your invitation for us to know you. Thank you so much for the invitation for us to speak your name. To know your person. To know your power. To know your presence. And Lord we thank you for Jesus your son. Because we are going to mess up. And we are going to uh, misuse your name. And we thank you that you held Jesus guilty so that those of us who are guilty can be set free by his grace. And we praise you for the gospel and grace of Jesus. So even now we commit ourselves to you. We praise you for your name in the great matchless name of Jesus. Amen.